Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. I am Ben Harrison. Ben, we got through it last week. We got through the first joke-free episode of the show. <laughs> a very serious episode of The Greatest Generation. and uh, I was viewers, trying, Adam. Our viewers, unsurprisingly, also showed up... Uh, to their game in a very considerate and thoughtful manner. Let's not Always pretend nice to see. Let's not pretend that we know the future, Adam. <laughs> really hoping so, Ben. <laughs> Maybe if we if we wish this into existence, it will be the case. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. Well, thanks for uh, yes ending me so well <laughs> on that bit, Ben. Hey. I got your back, Adam. You know, like, uh, we're the Smothers Brothers, except you're actually smothering me. Oi! <laughs> Oi! That might be the worst dad joke we've ever had on the show, Adam. Yeah. Because well, it was glad- both a super old reference and a terrible pun. You know what? I can drop a Smothers Brothers reference, but I can't play in that mech's headroom game at all. <laughs> can't do it. <laughs> Well, Adam, I know you're still on the battle bridge. Can we see the battle bridge? No, I'm afraid not. So uh, this may be shot down before it gets off the tarmac, but I was going to suggest that you go uh, go ahead and splurge on the last of your Star Trek cards as well. Oh. Uh, well, do you want to wait for me to go get those cards? Yeah, you got to run up to the main bridge? Yeah, I got to... Uh, what I have to do is uh is get into some jeffrey's tubes and <laughs> it's the uh, fastest way to get there from here use that little pumping lever to mm-hmm. open up the doors when the power's out the game is five cards the game is exceedingly simple part of this is just the card data time to pluck a pigeon all right i have five packs of cards in my you have hands. five Damn. yeah he- here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna tear through them and i'm gonna give you the greatest hits okay I'm that sounds gonna, i'm gonna tell you if we've got some awesome shit happening. Here's what we got. Oh, I got Data's Day. That's a card I don't have. Hey. Looks kind of Irish. It looks Irish the way the Space Irish cards should be. <laughs> what does that mean? It's green and uh, green and yeah. orange and white? G- green and swoopy. These all look like totally new cards to me. So great. That's awesome. Got, Filling I out got, all the holes. I got disaster. Like the, Riker. The uh, the episode where Data becomes a broom. <laughs> the Outcast, which is coming up. I'm excited to do that episode. Yeah. Is that the one where Riker and a an asexual alien get down? Yeah. Riker considers impregnating a husk. As their people do. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about those husks. Arsenal of Freedom. That's a cool pew pew card. pew. <laughs> and the drumhead. That was a good pack. Ugh. 
We got Birthright Part 2, Redemption <laughs> Part 2, The Battle, First Contact, and Pen Pals. Down to my last pack. Ben. Really hoping for something special. Looking forward to it. Something that really blows you away. Oh boy. We do have something special. It's a Ships of the Line card. Oh, this is uh, like my second to last pack also. Yeah. Got some real cool ships doing some shoot-em-ups on the front side. And then on the back, it looks like a piece of a puzzle. Yeah. What piece do you have? Puzzle piece SL5. I have SL11. Oh, wow. So this is a pretty sizable poster we're going to make out of these puzzle pieces. We're just going to have to keep buying these boxes. It looks like there's one Ships of the Line card per box. Wow. Well, that could be a costly endeavor, as these boxes have not become cheaper since we started doing this gag. I wonder if the Series 2 has Ships of the Line cards in it. I don't know. I know that, that, like, these were the Series 1 of the Portfolio Prince trading cards the odd episodes and then series two has the even episodes and also autograph cards but there were there were some unexpected special cards in there also like the you know the clip out of the comic book and the comic book cover yeah the one that just says lieutenant wharf (laughs) the one that just says door Yeah, well, that that concludes Star Trek The Next Generation Portfolio Prince Trading Card Series 1 yeah. box for both of us. That's really exciting, Adam. Yeah. Will we do Series 2? Who knows? Yeah, I think that sounds like fun. That's something we should try. All right. If for no other reason, then it's become sort of a contest between us. Let's see Let's see what the viewers say. What, what do you think about that? They can, I they... am all about putting it up for not a vote, but just to see what the it's, viewers think. Yeah, it's advice and consent, not the not. Look, it's not like we're going to be putting our whistles around any viewer and, and having them take command of the ship. <laughs> this it's is not my, happening. This is our fucking ship. Yeah, exactly. Um, now shut the fuck up. Um. Yeah. So use use the hashtag greatest gen or say what's up in the Facebook and Reddit. Say say whether you think we keep going with this inane card bit or punch out. Fair enough. Well, Ben, what do you say we get to doing what we came here to do? Hmm. Which is to do Season 5, Episode 13, Masterpiece Society. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Hmm. I'm entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. So the entrepreneur is uh, on an escort mission. They're hanging out with the core fragment of a disintegrated star. And they're just kind of like flying alongside this massive stellar fragment as it as it courses through the galaxy. And they're realizing that it's going to pass within the gravitational influence of a planet that they thought 
was uninhabited, but it turns out it's got there's there's some life signs evident on this planet. And even more puzzling, they seem to be human, Adam. <laughs> yeah. So um these are they're kinda cagey at first. They like they call him up on FaceTime and they decline the call and they try and like friend him on Facebook and they don't like, you know, nothing happens, you know. Which is sort of a weird thing to do because I think what they're trying to do is set up the idea that these are these are humans, these are future humans, but not quite as advanced as 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 contemporary sci-fi humans that we've gotten on this show. Right? Yeah, it's a because they're super blown away by beaming technology, right? They they uh, they're they're just fairly impressed by technology in general. Yeah, I think they're like a society that embraces technology, but is incredibly insular. So, uh, I think Picard like gets on gets on the on a bullhorn eventually, and is just yelling over the fence like, "Hey, you guys are in big trouble if you don't talk to us on the phone." And so they pick up the phone and they're like, hey, listen, like, we don't want to talk to anybody, but you said we were in big trouble. What's the deal? And the captain starts to explain to them that your planet is about to experience massive seismic disruptions due to an approaching stellar core fragment. No structure will be able to withstand them. Like they live in like the the Poly Shore biodome, essentially. Mm-hmm. And uh and it's gonna like punch little holes all all through the outside of it if if this core fragment gets gets passed and otherwise this planet is uninhabitable. So this is a colony that is uh, doomed if they don't you know if if they don't follow the enterprise's instructions. Yeah, if if the Polly Shore movie was a eugenics metaphor. <laughs> That's the story that we're telling here. We've got sort of an alt-biosphere situation going on. Yeah. And uh, there's no purple sticky punch, Adam. No. (laughs) The tone that is set here is so crucial for how we are to treat these people for the rest of the episode, Ben. And I was really surprised with how they introduced this culture. Yeah. They send a Dustbuster Club down there to visit with Aaron Connor. Aaron Connor is the Jason Schwartzman uh administrative leader of of yeah, this. Yeah, but but group like cleaned up D- Jason Schwartzman, not not neckbeard Jason Schwartzman. No, yeah, he's like uh well, post Rushmore pre He's been he's been beardy for a, a long time now. Yeah. All right. Well, pre-beard Jason Schwartzman is the is the planetary administrator who greets yeah. them and begins by just being utterly blown away by transporter technology. Yeah. And then he starts telling them about uh, their Lebensborn project that they're running down there. <laughs> and no one on the crew is disturbed by this at all. They're like, yeah, we basically genetically engineer everyone on the planet. We tell you who to fuck. Uh, we destroy all the children who have any sort of congenital defect. Uh, It's great. Everyone does what they're supposed to do. We've got a perfectly functioning society. It's basically a dream world. It's great. And instead of 
Well, and it's also this recoiling is a in horror. They're like, oh, that that sounds reasonable, uh, but we got to get you out of the way of this core fragment. Yeah, it's. I mean, this is a universe in in which the like eugenics and genetic engineering of humans is like a notorious conflict of the past. Yeah, I mean, they mentioned Khan Singh in the same breath as Hitler in in an episode not that long ago, and Khan Singh is like the engineered superhuman that Kirk fights in um, in Wrath, right? Right. So like. The fact that they're just kind of like accepting the validity of this society by knee jerk is, I wonder if it's an artifact of the time they live in. Like maybe Kirk and Spock would have been like more, more inherently adversarial toward it. And because the 24th century is so far removed from the memory of that stuff, these guys are like, oh, like, well, I guess you have a right to do whatever you want. Because they're human, it seems more sinister. And because they totally gloss over that potential for conflict, I feel like the rest of the story is totally defanged. Like, this could have made a really nice B story to weave throughout the rest of the episode, but it's not a huge deal. Yeah, so the deal with this society is it is... It is a homeostatic group of humans where everybody is engineered to serve the function that they serve. And they like, I mean, it's a little bit like the artist planet that stole the kids all those years ago. I got those vibes too. Um, You know, everybody has, has a place and there's a place for everybody. Like the, the, like Aaron Connor, the leader like what knew when he was born that he would be the leader and like has all the genetics to be the leader there's uh, another he's like the grown-up dolphin polishing kid <laughs> yeah it's a shame he never polishes a dolphin on screen yeah just to provide some continuity um ron canada is in this episode as um as martin who's like the kind of justice scalia of of the planet like he's he like interprets the founder's wishes and and he's there to like scold aaron every time uh, a breach of their homeostasis is affected because and like just by beaming into the biosphere the enterprise crew is upsetting what they consider the perfect balance of their society and it's like a utopian closed society where they have no interaction with the outside world at all because for all they know, they are perfectly sealed inside this biodome. I love the casting of Ron Canada here. Like what we need is a, is a dissenting opinion who can scowl and nod disapprovingly. Yeah. Who do we got for that? (laughs) Your list is only one name. It's Ron Canada. Ron Canada can do that. (laughs) Ron Canada built a career on that. He really did. <laughs> He's the greatest. Yeah, yeah, really, and and a solid a solid job in this yeah. in this instance. Um, so yeah, but so the enterprise is like, well, listen, why don't you listen to your buddy Ron over there? <laughs> 
like that's all well and good, but if we don't do something about this core fragment, whether or not Ron Canada approves of it, you're all gonna <laughs> die. So, uh, so think about think about what we're telling you. And Aaron Connor is like, all right, like I see I see the sense in that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pair Jordy up with our hottest and most advanced scientist. And they're going to they're gonna work on this problem together. I guess one of the advantages of alt-biosphere is that when you're genetically engineered to be the leader of a planet, you don't have to have a quorum on any decision. Yeah. Aaron Connor just makes the decision, and, and that's what goes. Yeah, he is like the sovereign of biosphere. Yeah. So they put Jordy, they team Jordy up with Hannah Bates, who is like one of the brightest scientists in their society. And she like like she's really blown away by some of the stuff that Jordy is able to wield, but she is she she shows that she's like she's no joke. She's like every bit the brilliant scientist that she has been sold to them as. Like, Hannah's genetically flawless, except in one crucial way. She's not creeped out by Jordy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like they kind like they kind of have like a Jordy Leah kind of kind of working relationship right yeah like like the way Jordy worked with leah brahms minus the creepy sexual predator stuff is kind of their vibe here which i thought was cool did you recognize the actress that plays hannah vaguely she seemed super familiar uh to me and then i realized it's because she is the amorous waitress at the diner that they go to in Spaceballs. i'll have the cleavage Special. Oh, <laughs> oh! So you're saying she's got some sci-fi cred? Yeah, yeah. She, <laughs> she sure does. That's like that's like the most hardcore sci-fi cred you can get. <laughs> yeah, even uh, Lavar Burton's like, "Whoa, you were in Spaceballs! Awesome." <laughs> yeah, I mean, Bill Pullman's in that scene. John Candy's in that scene. Oh, God, candy. Look, it's got a mind of its own, sweetheart. I can't do a thing with it. (laughs) Do you think there are Spaceballs cons? Man, I wish. There should be if there aren't. Can we just talk about the fact that John Hurt was like, 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 Mel Brooks called up John Hurt and was like, hey, I got a really funny joke in my movie. It kind of only works if you're if if you play the part <laughs> and and we got to put some some gross jelly on on the uh, front of your shirt are you in and i John... think when mel brooks calls you pick up the fucking phone yeah man he's a fucking egot yeah he's one of the greatest of all time oh so good so th- the the plan that jordy and hannah come up with is they're going to use some they're going to use the enterprises tractor beam modified in a way that Hannah came up with to push the stellar fragment enough out of the way that they can shore up the biodome enough that it will survive. Like they're, they're really confident in biodomes, earthquake uh, safety. There's a lot of structural improvements that they've done over the years. They think they could do, they can do up to an eight point, whatever on the Richter, but, uh, the Enterprise is pretty sure that without moving the core fragment, they're looking at uh, at bangers that are much worse than 
than eight pointers on the Richter. So they're gonna they're gonna try and do two things at once. They're gonna do imp- even more structural improvements to the biodome, and also they're gonna do some some cool tractor beam tricks on the core fragment. And this is only possible because uh, Hannah and Jordy come up with a visor-based hack of the tractor beam. Oh, that's perfect. They're going to use some, like, some, like, algorithm that the visor uses to send pulses to Jordy's brain to modify the tractor beam. They're going to get, like, four times as much power out of the thing and and move this core fragment because it's much too massive otherwise. And after this mission, they're going to return the tractor beam back to normal because this is a one-time <laughs> only use technology. Well, I wonder, right? Like, like, I mean, it, the tractor beam is one of many technologies on this show where its capabilities are like conveniently squishy. Yeah, you know, like the writers can always write something that's too tough to tractor or too far away to tractor. It's or, not good enough to do what it's supposed to do. Yeah, or it's or it just works. You know, if if the story needs them to be able to tractor something, it just works. And Jordy's not being creepy at all. No, he's he's just he's 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 putting his nose to the grindstone. Way to rein it in, Jordy. Yeah, Jordy's learned a lot of valuable lessons. I would say. Like, like maybe, maybe he's going to th- start to think about tearing up his MRA club membership card. Do you think if one of the Yulians got into Jordy's mind, like it would be the Yulian that went into a coma? <laughs> <laughs> See, that's a joke we should have used last episode. Oh, would have really broken it up nicely. That was low-hanging fruit. <laughs> oh, man. Jordy just like wakes up like normal. Like, <laughs> what's going on, guys? <laughs> what happened? People, people are gonna be like, uh, like uh, you know, if I if I want to get into Greatest Gen, what's a good episode to start with? <laughs> well, n- not the one about rape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would save that uh, for about a hundred episodes in, actually. <laughs> <laughs> So while Jordy and uh, and Hannah are are uh, doing their science up on the ship, Troy has stayed down in the biodome, and she is uh, she is cruising in for an intimate encounter with Aaron Connor. It is at this moment that it's become ultra clear, Ben. Season five is the season of Deanna Troy, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. So she's down. Uh, she's down, sort of instigating a uh, a meet cute. Yeah, with our uh, with our Aaron Connor guy, and it's working. They're they're getting along great, but but I have no idea what they see in each other at all. Like there's hmm. no there there. Well, maybe it's just purely physical. Maybe she just likes guys who look like Jason Schwartzman. That's the most beautiful girl in the world. I like you. It's it's animal attraction, man. Yeah, it's lust, isn't it? I mean, yeah, you know, like in her mind, she knows that this is this is a cheap interaction, right? Like she's and it's gonna, forbidden too. She wants to muddy the the DNA waters, doesn't she? She's going to be gone really soon, like, and because of the way the society that Aaron Connor represents is set up, she's never going to have to see him again. Like this is 
this is uh, playing with house money, as far as she's concerned. Maybe she's the only one that sees alt biosphere for what it is, <laughs> and she's she wants to fuck it up, <laughs> literally. Yeah, you think she's gonna get pregnant and then come back and demand child support? She's gonna stick the baby into a torpedo capsule and shoot it back at the <laughs> at alt biodome, right through the dome. Yeah. Take one to the dome. Um, we talked last episode a little bit about guy who thinks he's on a date but is not. <laughs> yeah. I, f- I feel like Troy and Aaron kind of don't realize they're on a date until they both realize they are. Yeah, they mutually all- figure that out. That's a fun kind of date, right? Yeah. Yeah, those are great. I've gone on a couple of those where I didn't realize I was on a date and then I realized I was and I was like, oh, I don't want to be on a date. <laughs> This isn't what I was trying to do. And then your dick's out. Yeah. Let's be honest, Adam. My dick is never out. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Always in. Your pants, that is. Yeah. Um. Let's paint the picture a little bit of what it's like on Alt Biodome. Yeah. It is. It's a little bit of the outdoor mall cafeteria vibe that we got. I want to say like 15 episodes ago where that bomb exploded. Yeah. But it's also like that scene in Gattaca where they go see the guy playing piano and then you realize it's a piano piece that only he can play because he's the only pianist in the world with 12 fingers. It's weird how depictions of eugenic society are dependent on like a certain aesthetic that has to do with like things being very angular Mm-hmm. And uh, and monochromatic. Like, yeah, I would say that for all of this society's achievements in terms of utopia, one thing that they have really gone f- far wide of the mark on is fashion. <laughs> yeah, everybody is in like the worst, most heinous cross colors Star Trek alien fashion of all time. They bred the style right out of these people. It sucks. Yeah. Yeah, everything is like like, I mean their whole their whole biodome is like the mall. Everything is you know, kind of fake silk plants and crappy concrete f- furniture in public spaces, and their fucking clothes are are that but for clothes. Ben is the only reason this episode is not totally reeking of Nazi because Ron Canada is in it. Like if. <laughs> If the Martin character is white, yeah. then all of a sudden this is a this is a white society. This is a white biodome. Yeah, this is And then Edo. it becomes totally sinister. This is the Edo planet. Right. Yeah. Like how close did they get to that? This is what separates season five from season two. Ron Canada is the firewall between innocent eugenics and <laughs> totally sinister <laughs> Hitler vibes. Right? <laughs> Yeah, man. It's, it's Ron Canada all the way down. <laughs> Ron Canada is the is the Dutch boy with his finger in the dike. <laughs> He's holding back the the sea of Nazism. When they came for Ron Canada, I said nothing because <laughs> I was not Ron Canada. That is the dumbest joke of all time. <laughs> I think that's one of my favorites. 
But Troy is having like a real dilemma about whether to bone down with Aaron Connor. And she really starts to kind of put it in these like wrong right terms. This is wrong. Terribly wrong. She's not having second thoughts because she's attached to someone else or uh, or doesn't have true feelings for him. No. Like like she's she's painting it in a professional light that she's down there to do counseling, not right. fucking. But I thought that that sort of kind of like served to normalize his his world, which I wouldn't think that she would do. His world should not be normalized. Yeah, like you gotta you gotta resist at all times and in all places. Yeah, and I think that that sort of cuts to the cuts to the crux of this, which is like this is the small Midwestern town that is emptying out where like it loses a critical mass to sustain its own economy Mm -hmm. and is therefore a non-viable place to live. It's, it's succumbed to the ravages of people leaving and this, this fragile designed society starts to become threatened because you know they save the day they push the stellar fragment out of the way uh every everything is is fine but because people have been exposed to the idea of the enterprise and the federation the they there is a small but vocal minority that are saying like hey we want to get the fuck out of here this sucks and that like like any number of people leaving is a a blow to the to the project, right? It can't. It can't. It's so sustain. interdependent that that removing parts of it uh, crashes the whole. Right. And Here's what I don't get, though, Ben. Like, because we are made aware that this is a society that is not as technologically advanced as as uh, the Enterprise society. Yeah. I mean. That leads me to believe that there are a bunch of shit jobs on this planet that a guy pushing a broom has to do who has been genetically created to do that job. So, like, right, what sort of like suffering epsilons. are we really talking about here if if those that leave the biosphere are the fucking guys making sandwiches in the deli and the planet's going to be short a sandwich maker? Like, who fucking cares? Like, I, I want those people to leave and make better lives for themselves. And and uh, and Ron, the Ron Canadas of the world wanna wanna keep the house of cards together because they made the construction worker guy from scratch and they can't do without him. Yeah, Ron Canada has this cushy life as like guy who walks around in a teal vest telling everybody what to do. Yeah, good for Ron Canada. <laughs> My point in 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 sort of putting their their technological ability in that sort of in that sort of box is that like when they talk about suffering from the removal of certain elements of their society, it's hard for me to grasp how they would suffer because they are a, a more primitive version of what we're seeing on the enterprise. Like they don't make that explicit in a way that I think is necessary to truly feel the gravity of both sides of the argument, because all we're seeing is the right side of the argument. All we're seeing is, is the justice side and it would, have been, it would have been nice to see a little bit of the counterpoint. I think that uh, you have to assume that 
replicator doesn't exist without transporter. So if these people yeah. don't have transporter, they don't have replicator. So everything, to some extent, has to be produced through human labor in their yeah. society. And yeah, like if it's Brave New World type situation where there's Epsilons who are like bred to be Dumbos that only know how to do hard menial labor, then then Picard should be horrified by its existence, you know, like, but instead he has this like kind of, oh, this is like a, this is like an edge case of the prime directive where these are humans that have chosen to live in this horrible way. But in trying to manage that, he kind of validates this, this awful social engineering project that they have embarked on. It seems like you could only ever create a eugenics culture wherein some people get the cool administrative jobs and some people push the fucking broom. Yeah. And they don't refer to the broom guy. Yeah, you never even see the broom guy. I thought Star Trek was going to be better at addressing serious issues after the last episode, but this <laughs> this feels like a return to superficiality, you know? Well, different writing team, so... yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you're not getting the same crew for all of these. Also, how how could they have engendered a comedy podcast 25 years later if they wrote all episodes as serious and and complicated as the last episode? Boy, isn't that right, Ben? You and I would be out of a job. Yeah. How would we pay our rent? Troy and Aaron bone down. Mm-hmm. Big time. It would have been fun to, like... We follow Troy and Aaron into the bedroom, and then we do a slow pan off of them to the window where Ron Canada is just, like, shaking his head. Yeah. Discouragingly. Yeah. Grinding a fist into a palm. (laughs) I was bred for disapproval. In the aftermath, Troy has some pretty serious regrets about it. Yeah. Some, uh, Some morning after vibes that make her feel as though uh, it was a huge mistake and she's not coming back to the planet anymore. Morning after, she meets Aaron by the piano. She's like, hey, that was fun and everything, but... I'm going back to the ship. I'm not going to see you again. And this sort of breaks his heart. Yeah, he's... Uh, it's, it's weird. I mean, he seems to be the administrator of this colony and yet a kind of sexless guy otherwise like he doesn't have a wife or a girlfriend or like there's no implication that he has like a a sex life outside of meeting troy i am the cutest of all there are four lights this episode ends in a big confrontation where picard winds up in like the most non-rowdy rowdy town square of all time <laughs> Yeah, it's like uh, the town square that's got the factory stores in it. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of designer fashions at discount prices in this town square. (laughs) Yep, yeah, you got your your Hanes factory. Yeah, big dog factory outlet, which is like, really? Is that still a thing? God, if you can't afford big dog (laughs) and you're buying your big dog in bulk... Yeah. Ugh. 
You're probably just buying them for rags, right? Yeah. Cheaper than rags. That's that's Big Dog Factory outlet for you. Yep. This is a lot like the scene where he talks. He beams down to talk to the Mintakans at the end. Yeah, a lot of Mintakan vibes this episode. I definitely feel that. He he's like trying to make nice with Aaron Connor mainly as the leader of the society because you know like a number of people have expressed their interest in leaving, and Picard is like, well, let's see, like if we can kind of talk some sense into them or like uh, or whatever. But like I like legally am not really in a position to deny people safe passage out of here if they want it because like that's just the rules, man. And yeah, it's the human element that's complicating all of this, right? If they weren't human, it would be a different sort of rule. Right. Like, this is another example of why I don't think the Prime Directive is a great rule. But it's also, like, it it also undercuts the premise of this perfect society. Like, if it is so fragile that 22 people leaving is a major fucking problem, like, don't design a society like that. Yeah, then the the core plan was flawed from the start. And what you need is to genetically design a eugenics planner to design the eugenics plan. <laughs> yeah, and that's I, what they failed to do. Somebody that's smart enough to see problems like this before they arise and correct for them. Right. It's weird that they don't treat this as a first contact that it is either. And it's because they're human. Like this is this is Picard's first interaction with Aaron and it's in the last five minutes of the show yeah I mean I think that this sort of speaks to like the like they're like this is the miscalculation of all closed societies you know everybody that sneaks out of North Korea and talks about what it's like there is essentially the people that are leaving this culture you know it's like it is it, it is it's such a shit show that that if anybody outside of it like got the real truth it would be exposed for the shit show that it is it's the lesson that overbearing parents fail to learn and overreaching religions fail to understand it's like when you rule uh under an iron fist you're doing nothing but but driving the people that you hope to conquer away from you from you right like right like, they're not going to want to stick around if you treat people like that. The, the moral of the story is if Ron Canada is hanging around, you need to, like, examine what mistakes led you to this situation. Aaron meets with Picard and comes away thinking that, all right, well, the option's open for these people to get asylum on the Enterprise. I'm going to go down back to the planet, meet up with Ron Canada in the town square, and we're going we're gonna to lay this out there. And what they agree on is that they're going to take a six-month break to just think about it? Like, that's the plan? Yeah, they suggest that to the, to the defectors, and the defectors are like, fuck that. Just wait six months before you leave. What will that accomplish? We're not in. We're leaving now. Rightfully. Like, they see right through that pile of garbage plan. Yeah. As if they've been genetically engineered to see through garbage. Don't you see, Aaron? It's over. Well, this is a very un-Picard-like plan. Like, it, it, like, it is obviously obfuscation. And the second he suggested it, it gets shot down. And he's like, well, I tried, Aaron. Yeah, and the, and the button on the episode is Picard and Riker are sort of downloading what just happened to each other at the very end of the episode. And he's like, 
You know, man, you ever think about maybe the Enterprise was just as dangerous to this culture as that uh, planetary fragment? Really makes you think, huh? <laughs> so, so Picard basically is and then, like... And then he lifts a doobie up from yeah. out of frame. <laughs> Picard's basically, I am become core fragment, destroyer of worlds. Yeah. And that's it. Did you like that episode, Ben? Despite its multitudinous flaws, Adam, I did I did kind of enjoy it. I thought it was fun to see Troy get thrown some some fun scenes to uh, to get into. Um, it was a nice redemption for Jordy to not be a total scuzz bucket. Right. Um, you, you get know, some Ron Canada in there. Yeah. Anytime you throw Ron Canada into something, I'm in. I'm in, baby. <laughs> This episode, to me, came as close to being unlikable as possible without actually being unlikable. It was razor thin. It bounced around on the rim many, many times before going through the hoop. It's the basketball that gets wedged between the rim and the backboard, and it just, like, (laughs) sticks. That's this episode for me. Um, That's fair, Adam. I mean... I wouldn't say it's a good episode. It's just more good than bad. You know what is more good than bad, unequivocally, Ben? Are the paid messages from our viewers. You want to go check those out? Check them out, we shall. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Hey, Ben, our first Priority One message is of a personal nature. It is from Captain Picardo, and it is for nerds. <laughs> I, I, I stuck the Y in that word, nerds. Yeah. Uh, Captain Picardo says nerds, I say nerds. Uh, the message goes like this. I can't handle another sad Ben announcement of no Priority One message. <laughs> so this message is for Adam and Ben. But I'll dedicate it to the nerds who are members of the captain. To the Uxbridge fleet in Star Trek timelines. What? what? But I'll dedicate it to the nerds who are members of the captain. To the Uxbridge fleet in Star Trek timelines. I read it again, and that's what it says, which is terrible. <laughs> It is a terrible, stupid game that you should all be embarrassed about. I know I am. Okay, so there's this game, Star Trek Timelines. I think that's an... And there is an, there's an Uxbridge fleet yeah. in that game. I think oh, that's a, an information phone app that you uh, play on. I don't really know much about it, but uh, I know some, wow. of our, some of our viewers play Star Trek Online. Um, yeah, I've been thinking a lot about that, Ben. Yeah, I don't, I, uh, I don't really know too much about it. I tend to not love games that are played online, but uh, uh, I would, I would give it a try. I'll give anything Star Trek a try. Come on, right? Yeah, I'll stick it in anything Star Trek once. But it sounds like Star Trek Timelines has like a has like a a subculture of greatest gen viewers potentially. Hmm, might be something to give a try. Uh, if you're out there looking for a fun time waster, it sounds like the Star Trek timelines is a advertisement hidden inside a P1, Ben. <laughs> this is buzz marketing. <laughs> yeah, this is not a compensated endorsement. 
Well, uh, do we have another message, Ben? We do, and I think it's a lot, a lot less suspicious than than <laughs> that one. This is from David, and it's to Laura. If there's one thing that I've learned in our years of marriage, it's how much you appreciate the frugality of combining gifts for your birthday and Valentine's Day, since they're <laughs> just one day apart. <laughs> That and how much you appreciate this pod for helping us through the commute every day. Happy birthday slash Valentine's, Laura. That's really wow. sweet. That is sweet. Uh, our, our viewers really know uh, the heart of romance, and that's yeah. purchasing advertisements on our show. It's interesting, Adam, because my wife is also a February birthday, but she's the opposite. So. She's a real, uh, she's a real advocate of Brown v. Board of Education when it comes to uh, holidays and birthdays, huh? <laughs> she's pro segregation. <laughs> I probably shouldn't say that. She, she works uh, she for a politician. A, she's a legal professional. Yeah, and she works for a politician, so it could be not great. <laughs> oh boy! Well, not the first time we have. Uh, We've been a negative impact on our wives' careers, I'm yeah. sure. Uh, but uh, if you would like to positively impact our show, Ben, mm-hmm. as a viewer, you can go to maximumfund.org/jumbotron, where messages of a personal nature cost exactly one hundred dollars, and that's fifty dollars for the birthday and fifty dollars for Valentine's <laughs> Day. That's not bad. Explicitly commercial messages, unlike the one we just made for Star Trek Timeline, uh, is 200. So yeah. Captain Picardo got a tremendous value there. Mm, yeah. And uh, as always, they help support the production of our show. Thanks, guys. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! I did. You know, I uh, often when we're reviewing these episodes i have a window open on my computer with the closed captioned episode open and i oh, really and i scrub around and uh i that's fun i did not have a drunk shimoda written down um and the spot in the app that i happened to leave the the playhead on when last i scrubbed it I, I just looked over at it and I realized this is a perfect drunk Shimoda. And it is Hannah, the scientist. Uh, and the line in the closed caption is Would you ever choose to live aboard a ship in a bottle, Captain? This is the scene where they're, uh, they're begging for uh, asylum yeah. aboard the Enterprise. And you got to imagine that living aboard a ship in a bottle has got to hold certain appeal for Captain Picard. Yeah, he's all about ships and bottles. Yeah, he fucking loves that shit. That is like either a master stroke, a master stroke of rhetoric, or like the the biggest misfire you can possibly imagine from Hannah. Yeah. <laughs> e. uh, so there's something very attractive about that, I'm sure. Yeah, that's my Shimoda. How about yourself? So Troy and Aaron are out on the balcony. Mm. Uh, falling into each other's eyes. And I couldn't help but notice, Ben, a a piece of uh, mise-en-scene were the crickets. This is wrong. Huh. Terribly wrong. The the almost deafening sound of crickets (laughs) in their pure 
alt biosphere society. Yeah. Someone has engineered perfect sounding crickets out there. One thing I would have, have left so out questions. of the biosphere. Right. Because if you make crickets, you need to make something that eats the crickets, Ben. And then something that eats that. Mm. And on and on until you're at the tip of the of the food chain where <laughs> Ron Canada lives. <laughs> so my Shimoda is the cricket. Very nice. Darmok, Angelad, and Tanagra. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name and not a giant social media company's name with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it. With Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! 
Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. What do we have coming up for the next episode, Ben? The next episode is season five, episode 14, Conundrum. While suffering an unexplained case of amnesia, the crew find themselves fighting a war they do not remember or understand. Do you remember this episode, Adam? I have a story about this episode, Ben, that I hope we have time for. Yeah. I remember this episode so clearly. Wow. I don't know if you ever grew up in a house where you had the analog radio, like the emergency radio that also picked up television bands. Did you ever have one of those? Like, oh. like it got AM, FM, and then for some reason UHF. Yeah, I uh, I never experimented with that, but we definitely had like a a radio where you could like crank it up and get it going. Yeah, so we had one of those in the house, and the reason that I'm setting the scene with that is because I don't remember what I did, and I would totally cop to it if I if I remembered this, but I got grounded for something. <laughs> maybe it was grades, maybe it was like for hitting my brother. It, it could have been anything. But I got grounded and confined to my room. And I was such a Star Trek fan <laughs> that my parents found it cruel to prevent me from enjoying the episode at all. So what they did is they let me grab this... TV radio and listen to the episode in my room while I was grounded. Wow. So the first time I experienced this episode was like audiobook only style. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had to catch it on reruns and watch it for real. Man. So this this episode is extremely memorable for me and if you consider what the story is here, yeah. Not being able to see it? Yeah like is crazy because there's a new crewman that I can't see that's acting like he's in charge of things. Totally. It totally fucked me up. Amazing. That's yeah, a, so that's a cool story. I love this episode. Mostly because I experienced it like that the first time through. So you're saying you wouldn't veto it? I I would issue it the sort of veto that made you listen to it on a radio. <laughs> sort of a half veto, the yellow card of vetoes. Wow. Uh, that's, that's really interesting. Well, I will, uh, I will say that I wouldn't veto it either. I remember really enjoying this episode, though my story with it is much less interesting than yours. So we're going to watch it and that will be the next one we review. Deal. Adam, people support us all the time by going to iTunes, leaving a nice favorable review. It helps us rise in the ranks on iTunes exposes the show to more people that's how we grow it, this thing it drives the bad reviews to the bottom where they belong mm-hmm. uh, I also really love it when people you know post about us uh, in public on 
Facebook and Twitter and Reddit. You know, go to the Star Trek sub on Reddit, or just just say that they like the show on their on their Facebook timeline. That's there's great great ways to grow the show. Go to the Ron Canada sub r slash Ron Canada. Sure, they'd love to talk about this episode. Yeah. If you write for the Ron Canada Trade Quarterly, I would love to see an article about this episode in there, maybe. Uh, and you know what? I, this might be a good idea to bring up the opportunity to maybe do a combined episode with the official Ron Canada podcast, uh, Roncast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those guys are doing great work over there. Yeah. Um, I think we've admired them for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if... Uh, if if any show is an inspiration for this show, it's Roncast. <laughs> Star Trek Roncast. Um, if uh, if you'd like to talk to us on Twitter, you can use the hashtag GreatestChin. Adam is at Cut for Time. I'm at Benjamin R A H R. And go to the Max Fun Store. Get yourself some some swag. Consider going to Max Fun Con. If there are still tickets available. I think there still might be. Yeah. Um, we should thank Adam Ragusia and Dark Materia for our music and our music. And their friendship. Yeah. And with that, we will be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and an episode of The Greatest Generation that has a third co-host that you've never heard of before. That's how we should do the show, Ben. That would be fun. Just do a show with a third and just <laughs> pretend like we've been doing the show with them the whole time. Yeah. It's, it's basically the one opportunity we'll ever have. Do you think we should do that? Well, we'd have to We'd have to make that happen like tomorrow. Yeah, we would. <laughs> that would be mm. fucking great. And the great. third hasn't seen the episode. <laughs> <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.